0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, and if you don't have your Bible with you, you can use the Pew Bible, I encourage you, uh, Genesis 22, that's right near the beginning, page 16 of God's Word, uh, Genesis 22, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 19 as we begin a, a short sermon series advent series on on Jesus uh, the lamb of god uh, based on uh, John the Baptist's declaration uh, there in John the gospel of John chapter 1 verse 29 where John the Baptist sees the Lord Jesus and cries out behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and that's a, a rich statement of scripture, and we'll see that here in Genesis 22, God's provision of a lamb, a substitute sacrifice. But hear God's word, Genesis 22, beginning with verse 1. This is the word of God. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And he said, Here am I. And he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold. The fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram And offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed." because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Amen to this reading of God's holy, divinely inspired word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand through the ages. Let's pray. Lord God, every page of Scripture, every chapter, every book of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, declares your sure, strong, and saving love for us in Christ. Lord God, we pray this morning that, that even as we study this portion from Genesis, Uh, That your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts and uh, minds, Lord, helping us not only to understand and uh, grasp uh, the the rich scriptural truths you have for us, but may this truth transform our lives uh, so that we would be growing in our faith and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Christmas is that time of year when, when parents, especially mothers, uh, try to hide their, their perfect Christmas gifts that they've already purchased. They try to hide them from uh, their curious children. Of course, it's wrong to lie about what you've purchased and, and where you've hidden the gifts. I just want to make that clear here. Uh, But at just the right time, uh, loving parents will bring forth the prized presents, bring them forth out of hiding uh, so that they will be joyfully received from the children at at Christmas. Uh, For loving parents know how to provide gracious gifts to their beloved children. Well, here in Genesis 22, and would invite you, encourage you to keep your Bibles open to that, that portion of Scripture. We're going to be looking at it closely, um, applying it uh, to our walk of faith with Christ. Here in Genesis 22, we behold uh, the Lord's providential provision of the gift of faith for his servant, Abraham. You know, there in, at the very beginning, uh, Genesis 22, verse 2 Uh, The Lord, we hear the Lord as he calls to Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son, his beloved son. Uh, A great step of faith. I believe this could be called the the greatest challenge of faith uh, to any human here on earth. Yet even as Abraham moves forward in faith, he knows that that God is gracious, that, that God is faithful to his covenant promises, that God will provide for him in this time of spiritual testing just so that we uh, keep the, the the central truth, the central truth uh, there. The key verse that we'll be focusing on is Genesis 22, verse 8. Uh, that even as he prepares to sacrifice his son, Abraham can say in faith, uh, Genesis 22, verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And then at the end, uh, we'll we'll see Abraham's sure faith in Christ. He he rests in the Lord, even as he returns home to Beersheba. For God's providential provision of a substitute sacrifice brought reassurance and rest to this faithful believer and to all of his family. Uh, but here this morning let's be focusing on uh, on this scriptural truth that the lord tests our faith causing us to rest in his gracious provision that was true of abraham but the lord is still involved in that kingdom work in in his church in his families in each of our hearts Testing our faith day by day, causing us to rest in his gracious provision. Well, how can tested believers rest in God's gracious provision? Well, first we'll see that there's a providential testing of the faith. There in verses 1 through 6, a providential task of faith in verses 7 through 14, and finally a providential testimony of God's faithfulness there in verses 15 through 19. We begin with that providential testing of our faith in God. A look there, at Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. After these things. Well, what is scripture referring to when it says after these things? Well, you have to go back. Uh, actually, to genesis twelve we 're not going to take the time this morning. encourage you uh, to read that, but beginning in Genesis chapter twelve verse one, God calls Abram uh, to leave his homeland uh, to travel to the promised land of Canaan. Uh, as you read the scriptural account, you 'll see how God spared. Abraham and his wife Sarah in Egypt. The Lord used Abraham to rescue Lot uh, from Sodom and Gomorrah. God established his covenant with Abraham. Uh, there in Genesis uh, 15, uh, we we read his God's promise and this truth about Abraham. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord. He had faith in the Lord. And it was counted to him, credited to him as righteousness. God sealed the covenant with a blood sacrifice. Uh, God himself walking through that that covenant sacrifice. You know, there's a great legacy of faith in Abraham, but we're only looking at one picture of faith here in Abraham's life. And as we pick it up there after these things, God tested Abraham. What's a test of faith? It's God's divine design to prove our faith, to see not only if our faith is genuine, but but I believe as we go through Scripture, God actually gives us these tests of faith, lovingly gives us these tests of faith to deepen our, our walk of faith with the Lord. They're not punishments. It's not because God has forgotten about us. You know, God gives these great tests of faith to his saints to to strengthen their faith, to, to prepare them for glory. And as we see Abraham's response, he hears God's personal call. You know, God calls just to Abraham Uh, He responds as a submissive servant, you know, here am I. Uh, You you see that response throughout scripture, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, here am I, send me. You know, but here is Abraham. You know, God is testing him, God is calling him, and and Abraham is saying, here I am, Lord. I'm, I'm ready for service, I'm ready to go. And then we read the terrifying command in verse 2. I I know this is slow going, but this is foundational. I I think we've lost that sense of of holy fear as we read in Genesis 22. There's a series of three terrifying commands in one verse. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go. To the land of Moriah, and then the third and most terrifying command offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. Abraham, I know you're trusting in me, I know you're loving me, you know my love for you, so this is what I want you to do, Abram. Because you love your son and you love me, I want you to go and take your son, your beloved son, this child of promise. And, and I want you to offer him, to slay him, to bind him first, and then to place him on that sacrificial fire. You know, and it's especially striking as you, as you look at the, the first part. God knows this. Abraham, take your son, your only son. This is the only son Significant son, you know, we've moved. Ishmael is in the shadows, the background, and it's just Isaac at this point. Isaac, whom you love. Isaac, the child of promise. This child that I've given to you and Sarah in your old age. Isaac, who made Sarah laugh. I, Isaac who was called was said it was said of him in Genesis 17:6 kings of nations would come from him and that's true because Christ the king of kings lord of lords was descended from Abraham from Isaac god would establish an everlasting covenant with Abraham You know, why is this such a terrifying command? You know, a number of ways to look at it, but John Currid captures it this way. Isaac's death would seem to invalidate all God's promises to Abraham. God had made all these covenant promises to Abraham based upon Isaac, and if Isaac were dead, then God's word would be null and void. And that's the especially terrifying aspect of, of this command. And, and yet, what does Abraham do? Verse 3. You know, Abram, Abraham rose early in the morning. He didn't dawdle. He didn't wait till noon, late afternoon, early night. First thing in the morning, first light, Abraham was ready to go. No disobedient delay here. He obeys God's command to march to Moriah. He saddled his donkey, gathered his two young helpers, his son Isaac. They even carried their own cut wood for the fire in case there wasn't any wood there, so they wouldn't have any excuse not to offer this sacrifice. And then on the third day, Abraham saw the place from a distance. He promptly commanded the servants to stay And we read this in in verse 5. Then Abram said to his young men, stay here, you all, the two of you, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship. Literally, we will worship. And then here's the, the, the striking part, the next phrase, and we will come again to you. Abraham, here in faith, knows that the Lord will provide. He does not know when the Lord will provide. He doesn't know how the Lord will provide. There's the faith aspect. But he knows that the Lord will provide. Based on God's unchanging character, his promises are yea and amen in Christ. And so Abraham has this test of faith. He strikes out for, uh, for Moriah. There in verse six, takes the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. And and there, it's it, it's hard not to see Christ carrying the wood of the cross. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them, together. You know, we, too, endure tests of faith, health concerns, marital struggles, family strife, financial challenges, struggle with depression. We probably could go on for a while with the tests of faith that God's saints are enduring here. But, but hear what John Owen says about these tests of faith. A, a great truth. God oft times reserves great trials for a well-exercised faith. God oft times reserves great trials for a well-exercised faith. You know, we, we tend to think, well, I'm going through these trials because I don't have enough faith. If only I had more faith, then I wouldn't have these trials. Prosperity, health and wealth, gospel, the culture of our day. And here God's word tells us the exact opposite. It says when you're you're walking in faith with the Lord, when you're loving the Lord, when you're trusting in him day by day, don't be surprised by these faith-testing events. In fact, these these great trials come for those with a well-exercised faith. Meaning that the deeper our love for Christ grows, the longer we know Christ, know his word, the, the greater will be our tests. May not seem like happy news here on the, the first Sunday of Advent. And yet, it's god who is testing us uh, the god who loves us in christ and nothing can separate us from the love of christ now here, here we see god's providence you know god preserves god protects god governs all his creatures and all their actions a providential testing of our faith in God. But then there's a providential task of acting in faith, verses 7 through 14 here in Genesis 22. We tend to focus on Abraham, and and rightly so, but but Isaac has God's gift of faith as well. Look there at verse 7. Isaac has a tender faith, and Isaac here is, is probably about 15 years old. He, he would be considered a man. Uh, this is not a child, a baby or a child. This, this is a young man. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. That's an expression of endearment, an expression of love. Abba, father. And Abraham expresses his love to Isaac. Here am I, my son. You know, I'm right here. I'm right next to you. And then Isaac asks a basic biblical question. It shows us that that Isaac has been taught the word of God. He He had a faithful father. Isaac knows about sacrifices. Isaac knows about sacrificial lambs. For he asks the question, behold, you know, take a look, Dad. The fire, the wood are here doesn't mention the knife the fire and the wood are here but but where is the lamb for for a burnt offering you know Isaac knows that a that a, a lamb without blemish or defect was required in God's word for a sacrificial offering and so here he's telling his father dad you got 3 out of 4 right but but where's the lamb and I believe it's a genuine question of faith here. And then we read verse 8, that, that central verse. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. It's a key verse. One commentator, Richard Pratt, called this a 12-scene drama of faith in these 19 verses. Won't take the time to elaborate. Uh, But but here's the central act in in this drama. Abraham declares his faith in a gracious God who will provide for all of his needs according to his riches and glory. Abraham, as I've said, does not know when God will provide or how God will provide, but he knows that God promises to provide. John Calvin puts it this way, Abraham takes refuge in the divine providence of God. God, I don't understand it, but I know you're in control. And then a beautiful scene. Isaac trusted his father, he trusted the Lord, so they went, both of them together. Isaac could have beat up his dad. He could have run away at that point. But they went together. And Abraham had faithful obedience here. You know, As you go through verses 9 through 12, actually the original language is meant to slow us down. These are not unimportant events. They, they came to Moriah. Uh, Moriah is a, is a significant place. You can find it on your map, but uh, let me read you one scriptural cross-reference, 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. It's Solomon building the temple, then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David his father at the, at the place that David had appointed on the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite. So here, even in Genesis 22, uh, points us ahead to, to David's sacrifice there at Mount Moriah. It speaks of the building of the temple, the Holy of Holies, where a sinful man can have access to God through the shed blood of the sacrifice. And so Abraham builds the altar, laid the wood. You know, again, you know, picture this in in your mind. He bound his son Isaac. You know, that that's the knife to my heart. You know, taking his son, and like any normal animal, you would bind him so he would not escape. laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham is all set. You know, this is not theoretical at this point. You know, Abraham's not looking over his shoulder saying, I know God's going to come. I know the army's going to come. You know, Abraham has a knife in his hand, raised, set to slit the throat of his son, as a sacrifice, and in God's glorious, dramatic fashion, the angel of the Lord calls to him from heaven. And I believe loudly, twice, Abraham. Abraham, he, he, he didn't want Abraham to, to, to miss this call from God. And Abraham heard and said, Here am I. Matthew Henry, in writing about this, put it this way. Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and wonder, O earth. Abraham's darling, Sarah's laughter, the church's hope, the heir of promise, lies ready to bleed and die by his own father's hand who never shrinks at the doing of it. We see similar language, in fact, greater language, in Isaiah chapter 53. You know, thinking of Christ. Isaiah 53, verse 7, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was the will of God the Father to crush God the Son, He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see the offspring, he shall prolong his days, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. All that to say, you know, here is a picture of of God the Father's readiness to sacrifice God the Son for our sins, as our substitute for sins, and Abraham hears that call, he responds in faith, and it's a, enough of a commentary, and, and I'll read it quickly. Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19, hear this. Hebrews eleven seventeen. 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, Offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He, Abraham, considered or reckoned that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You know, that's faith. But, but that's the same faith God calls us to, to, to believe that that he can and will provide that sacrifice for our sins. That he will raise us from the dead. You know, there's a great painting. I'm not an artist, really not much of a art appreciator but but read about it and and just give it to you in a nutshell. You can find the painting online. There was a painting from 1603. A painter by the a Spanish painter by the name of Carvaggio um, painted this scene entitled the painting The Sacrifice of Isaac. Three main characters, figures in that painting the, the angel on the left, Abraham in the middle, Isaac on the right and often in the, in the on the other side of the angel you can see the ram abraham's knife is in his right hand his his left hand is on the head of his son isaac the hand of the angel is stopping abraham's hand from bringing down the knife upon his son and uh, the ram the, the other hand of the angel is on the head of the ram. And one Christian professor, Bible man, Carl Truman, writes this about the painting. The ram is insistent. He, he submits the ram is the central figure. The ram is insistent. He is willing. The ram is presenting himself for sacrifice. He has come forward, desiring to offer himself in Isaac's place. The ram is clearly at the center of the meaning. So Jesus stands in relation to Genesis 22. He is at the edge of the narrative, but the angel is pointing past Abraham and Isaac to his willing sacrifice. And when we read the ancient story, Jesus is imploring to be seen at its center, insistent that he will be the saving sacrifice. You know, that's our hope. That's our comfort. You know, in, in any trial, test of faith, yes, we're going through it, we're not alone. And most importantly, Christ suffered in our place fully paying the price for our salvation. And and at the very conclusion there, just to to tie some of the threads together, there's a providential testimony of of God's faithfulness. The messenger, the angel of the Lord, some believe this to be a, a picture of Christ, even in the Old Testament. He calls again, he reaffirms God's covenant promises to Abraham, you know, saying, God says, By myself I have sworn. These promises rest on my unchanging, unfailing character. If God would break these promises, he would cease to be God. And God gives a promise again to Abraham Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. Your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Again, I believe that points us to Christ. Christ's triumph over sin and death and grave at the cross. And Abraham returned home after this. You know, he, he wasn't distraught. He wasn't wringing his hands. Wasn't confused. You know, in, in simple and yet sure faith, he he went back home to, to Beersheba. He he was resting in God's gracious and providential provision of that perfect substitute for his son. Well there's a we sang that O come, O come Emmanuel, and you may wonder why I sing those ancient hymns from the twelfth century, but there's a verse there, verse three, close with this O come thou rod of Jesse. You know, that's Christ, a descendant of Jesse, therefore a descendant of Isaac and Abraham. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice. Rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you that we can plead to you, God, have mercy on us as sinners and you hear our prayers because of Christ. You forgive us our sins. You give us assurance of salvation, not in our own faith, but our faith in Christ. And so, Lord, we, we pray today that uh, you would reassure us of your love, that we would rest in your love, not only on Christmas time. But every Lord's Day, every day of our life, until that day when you come again or you call us home. We ask this all in Jesus' name.